This evening, during our time of Lectio Divina together, we will be meditating upon the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's ironic that in the gospel today, we have the resurrection and the raising from the dead at least of another Lazarus. This passage is one that I think it's important for us to reflect upon in the context of the teachings of the Holy Gospel on the way in which we need to be attentive to our neighbor. We know that the command is love God and love your neighbor. And our difficulty is very often that we do not pay attention to our neighbor. And especially there is a problem when we are powerful or rich or self-satisfied that we can forget our neighbor. And so the gospels again and again in different ways encourage us to be attentive in a sense to see the face of Christ in our neighbor. And we've seen that when we meditated upon the story of the last judgment and the sheep and the goats. Whatever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. And that calls us then to see the face of Christ in the people we are likely to just go by without even noticing, without paying attention to them. It is also true within our life in Christ that we need to be attentive to the way in which those things which seem to be important in this life are really not that important. The wealth, the power, the things we can accumulate in this world can block us so that we don't recognize God or neighbor and we can become very much autonomous and self-sufficient or think we are. And that of course is the great danger which we face in our life in Christ where we can become very much centered in ourselves not on the Lord God or in the service of our neighbor. And I think it's especially in the Gospel of Luke that we have a great turning over of these things, a great overthrowing of the status in this world. And that's really a great thing to reflect upon as a background to the passage of St. Luke that we'll meditate upon this evening, the story of the rich man and the poor man. In the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke and the Magnificat, we have that revolutionary hymn of Our Lady when she speaks about the way in which my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is almost a kind of an introduction to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where the one who is filled with himself is not even aware of the poor man at his gate. And therefore there is a great reversal as the poor man, Lazarus, is taken up into the bosom of Abraham and the rich man is, is left uh, down there in Hades asking for help. As we look at this, we need to reflect, I think, upon the way in which in our own lives, we seek to follow the will of God, not simply by saying we're doing it, but by having a great change in our own hearts so that we can see within ourselves the ways in which we become self-absorbed and then be brought to repentance. This is the great freedom of the gospel 
The first words of the Lord are repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. So when we see these people who are full of themselves, we need to say, is this me? Do I need to find in the words of the gospel a sharp reminder of my need to have a change of heart? I think it's so common for each one of us to make of the gospel something that we adapt to our own desires, our own wishes and fancies. And I don't think, sometimes we don't want to have, to listen to it when it begins to stick into the things that we cherish so much. They always say the gospel is called to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And whenever we find ourselves comfortable, we need to, to have that. That's why it's a real problem when people in our own day begin to start adapting the word of God to feel they can kind of figure out what it really means without actually listening to what it says. This is God's word. These are the, the words that cut like a two-edged sword. And if we kind of immunize ourselves from the challenge of the gospel, then we are gonna be like the rich man in the parable today. We're gonna to find ourselves in, in a real problem. And so, you know, I think we can become like the way we sometimes say, you know, a grain of sand produces a pearl, but the pearl pre prevents that from the grain of sand from irritating the, the oyster. And maybe we are oysters who need to be irritated, need to have a little, not cover things over, with a kind of a pleasing glow. And so we should be attentive to that and certainly the gospel, all the gospels, certainly in the gospel of Luke, we find this stabbing away to make us come to repentance. Just a little bit before the passage today, we have the blessings and the woes. Woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation. Woe to you that are full for you shall hunger. This is a thing that is maybe not a pleasant thing to hear, but it's something we need to hear. If we're going to do that, I think one other thing we need to be attentive to as we prepare to hear the words of this passage from the Gospel of Luke is notice how when we are self-absorbed, rich in whatever way, it doesn't just mean a big bank account, when we are self-absorbed, one of the chief signs of this is that like the rich man in today's gospel, in the gospel we're meditating upon, we don't notice people. If I'm only thinking of myself, it's not so much that I'm attacking other people, it's not so much I'm doing something, it's I'm not even noticing them. That's as in at the end of the gospel of Matthew. When was I hungry? When were you hungry? When were you thirsty and I didn't care for you? I didn't even notice it. That's a very dangerous thing when we don't even notice. There's a very famous part of the Gospel of Luke just a bit before the passage we'll be meditating on tonight that we should, I think, keep in mind as we reflect upon the rich man of Lazarus. And that's the extremely famous parable of the Good Samaritan. As we see them going down the road to Jericho, there is the man in the ditch, just as in the parable of the rich man of Lazarus. There is Lazarus at the gate. There he is, and he's not noticed by the priest and the Levite. They keep moving on because they have their own agenda, their own concerns. It's only the Samaritan who noticed the man in the ditch, who went over and helped him. Maybe it was because he had once been in the ditch himself. I think our own experience, when we realize we ourselves are pretty frail, we kind of get off our high horse then maybe the sufferings of our own life and the, 
weaknesses which we can recognize may help us to notice and care for the person who's at the side of the road. That's reason enough to get the confession so that we repent and recognize not only our own need for God's mercy, but also our need to be attentive to the people we see in this world. And not just ignore them, the coldness of ignoring people. So those are some thoughts I think to reflect upon as we meditate and prepare ourselves for this experience of prayer, this Lectio Divina of the passage in Luke chapter 16 on the rich man of Lazarus. One interesting thing, by the way, just a little tidbit of information. In all of the parables of Jesus, there's only one in which we actually hear a person's name, and that's this one. It wasn't just the rich man and the poor man, but the rich man and Lazarus. This person has a face as a name for us, even if he doesn't, sadly, for the person who saw him every day and didn't see him, who was blind to his need. And so now let us enter into this time of divine reading. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, fill us with your love and your light that we may be attentive to your words, that they may touch our hearts. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Lord, help us to be freed from those things which block our ability to be attentive to you and to our neighbor, those sins that weigh us down, that block the pathway to our hearts, that prevent you from entering in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help us, O Lord, to be open to these words of yours, that they may touch our hearts and move us to action, that we may repent for the kingdom of God is near. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. There was a rich man who had clothed, was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus full of sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue 
for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Every single day, he's feasting away, sumptuously, rich with purple, which was very, very expensive, fine linen. This is massive, super extravagance. I think he would say he'd be a super consumer. Wouldn't that be an awful thing to have on a tombstone? You know, here lies a consumer. He's sucking in stuff, rich things all over the place. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, feasted sumptuously every day. Presumably, he didn't work six days and take a day off, which is what the instructions of the manufacturer say we should do in the first page of Genesis. But he just sumptuously feasted all the time. It's his own self-indulgence we see every single day, no break at all in that, sort of like Adam and Eve in the garden. They wanted every tree in the garden. They wanted it all. And this man wants it all. Let's think about that. Think of how this out of control extravagance and consumption, he's just sucking in things, all this stuff, food and everything. Notice that when he's later on, he's gonna ask for just a bit of water to cool his tongue that has been swapping up all his food, this expensive food. But here he is in all of his splendor. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Well, maybe none of us are like that. I don't know whether wearing purple, except we had nice, beautiful purple vestments for Lent, that may be nice, but they're not made of expensive uh, dyes and things like that. And maybe, you know, we can say, well, that's way over there. That's that rich man. Uh, there, I, I can tell you a few of them. I can name a few of them. Here are these rich people who are multimillionaires. There they are, over there. We always have to remember if I'm pointing my finger over there, I got three of them pointed at myself. Maybe we don't go around uh, wearing purple and fine linen and eating sumptuously every day. Well, sometimes that's a problem for bishops, not the purple and fine linen, but going to one banquet after another. And, that's, uh, <laughs> that's something that is another, another issue. But um, let's look at the ways and think, is it true that I am at least in my own circumstance like this? 
that I am kind of gimme, gimme, gimme. Let me, let's have it all. It's mine, it's mine, my precious. It's mine, I want it all. How often do we get that way? Maybe in ways that are not so obvious. They're the most dangerous ones. We can all laugh at the rich men over there and think, oh, well, you know, that's not me. But what about the ways in which I myself am demanding, absorbing, consuming, until finally here lies the consumer being consumed. It's good to think of that. Let's ask the Lord's forgiveness for the times and the ways, maybe subtle ones, not obvious like this parable, which is a bit exaggerated so we get the point, the ways in which we can become demanding, absorbing, forgetful of other people because we're so caught up in ourselves in whatever way it may be. Let's ask God's forgiveness for that and think about how this applies not to some rich man over there, but to me. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Here he is, the rich man, we don't know what his name is, but this is poor Lazarus. And you know, the rich man knows who he is because he calls out his name. He's not unaware of him. You know how we can be blind sometimes? You know, sometimes like in a restaurant, you're sort of wanting to get the attention of the waiter and somehow it's impossible to do. Well, we can sometimes ourselves in different ways, we can be a little blind to things. And so he, here's a person whose name the rich man knows. And he's not just off in a little corner where the rich man could perhaps say, you know, I, I haven't seen him. I, I didn't notice he was there. He's right at the gate, right? He has to walk by him every time he goes in, every day as he goes in for his big banquet. There's Lazarus, close enough that he can get the food from the table, the crumbs from the table. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores. Notice how in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan went and cared for the wounds of the poor man who was by the side of the gate, at the side of the road. And here is one who was full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. He doesn't say anything. And notice in this whole parable, Lazarus doesn't say anything. He's just silently there, trying to survive. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. This may mean, for one thing, that the dogs were kinder to him than the rich man was. They kind of licked his sores. It could also mean dogs were not, were they were unclean beasts. And so to be there with the dogs licking your sores was a further humiliation for the poor man. He was reduced to that. And so we should again, especially in this Lenten time, but always when we read this parable, not only reflect upon that, who is the rich man and am I in some ways self-absorbed like him, but let's look at Lazarus. What is his name? 
his name for us. I think of that. You know, just a practical matter right here. Frequently enough, when you leave this church, you see somebody there asking for money. And there's a lot of that in our city here and other places too, I'm discovering. And I, you know, I must have been, have I ever asked someone what their name is? Or is it just another person asking for money? Is this Lazarus? Who is it? Do we know their name? You know, we like that, uh, what is it that, you know, the thing, Cheers, the bar where everybody knows your name? That's quite a thing if people know your name. Now, quite apart from the difficulty of remembering people's names, but if they're a person, a who, not a what, this is one of the main problems we have in our life, that we are inclined to treat people like things and things like people. And so here we have him. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Let's look into our world, not maybe far away if we want, but more important, close at hand. Perhaps it is people as obvious as people in a city like this who are there over the great or asking for money of whatever kind. But maybe there are people who are not as obvious as that. People close to us in our lives who are suffering in some way, not obviously like Lazarus, but who, have, who are wounded, who are in need, who are silently there. Do we even know their name? Do we, do we care for them? Let's ask that in our own hearts and seek to go out and reach out. And in our actions, let this transform us, not just think about it, but let's go and do likewise, as the Lord says at the end of the Good Samaritan, go and do likewise. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. The poor man died and the rich man died. Everybody dies, it comes to us all. That's a good thing to think about. As Sam Johnson once said, the great writer, thinking of death concentrates the mind. Everybody dies, rich or poor. We think of the Middle Ages, a very wise thing. They had that imagery of the dance of death with kings and popes and peasants all going along. What is the point of all the other things we distinguish ourselves from one another in this world, in this vain pageant? Because the rich man died and the poor man died. We all do. We all come as well to judgment. The angels carry the poor man off to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried, really buried. You can imagine his funeral was much more spectacular than the poor man's funeral. But the poor man, probably just thrown in some common grave, was carried off by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, after his multi-million shekel or whatever funeral, was buried. 
All these things are vanity of vanities. What matters is deeper than that. And that's what we're going to see very soon. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. It's interesting, I've been thinking of two frescoes recently. They're both in Italy. I'm not a great art expert, so I can't say much about them. One of them is in the Sistine Chapel. It's by Michelangelo. And there is the Lord Jesus, the hand going up, the hand going down. The rich man, Lazarus. Lazarus, the rich man down. There's judgment, in other words. Heaven, hell, death, judgment, heaven and hell. The four last things. This is reality. We've heard of reality shows. This is a reality check. This is reality. We are called to account for our life. God respects us so much that he says, did you behave like the rich man or were you like Lazarus? It matters, the difference. There's another fresco I've heard about, though I've never seen it, at another cathedral or church in Italy, where Jesus is kind of lifting up all the sinners in two nets without much distinction at all. That's unreal. It's not real. It's not evangelical. And I remember when I took a quick look at this, I thought, hmm, I think there's something wrong here. It's not real. It's an illusion. This is not an illusion. This is the word of the Lord. So we need to think of that. And I know that when we elect popes, cardinals are called as they stand in front of that first fresco of judgment, the last judgment, to look up and say in front of calling upon Jesus who will judge me, I say that the one I'm voting for is the one I truly believe should be elected pope. Then you put the ballot in the, in the container. And you're looking up at the ones going up and you're looking up at the ones going down. It concentrates the mind, and it should. This isn't grim, this is simply real, because we're called to account. It's the sheep and the goats again, only in the form of Gospel of Luke. It should fill us with hope, not fear. And if we are likely to be people who are going down to Hades, if we're, our behavior is that, we should repent, for the kingdom of God is near. We're called to do this. It's a challenge to our life to not just to drift along and say, everything's okay, have a nice day. That's, that's, just, un, that's just not real. And so the rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need of thy mercy. And maybe I and myself, each one of us, most in need of thy mercy. That's real. Let's think about that for a moment. And he called out, 
Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Hmm. He knows in life how to get ahead. We know that. He's a very rich man. And one thing you've got to do if you're in a bad situation is make a good contact with the people in power. So he makes a link, a bridge. He throws a rope. Father Abraham, I'm your son. I'm father. We're all together. One family, you know, you know me. We don't know his name, but presumably Abraham does. Father, father, father Abraham, here I am. He's working the situation. I doubt if Lazarus would have thought of doing that. Have mercy on me. Well, that's the best thing he's said so far. Like the, you know, and the, the story of the Pharisee and the, the publican, the Pharisee is up at the front of the, 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 the temple going, I thank you, Lord, I thank you, which is probably the best kind of prayer we could do. I thank you, Lord. Because of me, I do this. You have not made me like that tax collector back there. Whereas the tax collector wisely says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And of course, that prayer has become one of the greatest of our prayers, and along with a few other passages of scripture that feed into it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So in his distress, the rich man actually is calling out for mercy. And that's a good thing. But then we see he's not really calling out for mercy. He says, he snaps his fingers. It doesn't say he snaps his fingers, but I think he does. He snaps his fingers, I wish I could, and says, send Lazarus to take some water, and dip it on my tongue, my tongue. Here's my hot tongue. Dip some water there. Send, send Lazarus over here. Now, interesting, he knows Lazarus's name. He never paid attention to him, but he, he knew him na his name. And he wants me still. He's still thinking of me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Me, myself, and I. Well, actually, me, my, and I. That's why he's there. He hasn't learned. He's still trying to be in control and centered on self. The letter I is the smallest in the English language, but is the most deadly. You can get speared on the letter I. So he's there. Father Abraham, my friend, my father, you know me, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. If only he had experienced in this some change of heart. For sometimes, at least in this world, if we have fallen ourselves on hard times as the rich man has now, in some way, maybe a failure that we had never had before, maybe some rejection that we've never experienced, something like that, 
it may lead us to be less self-absorbed and to know our need for God and for one another, to be a little more humble, a little less demanding of others, less snapping of fingers and saying, send Lazarus to serve me. He hasn't learned. Let us pray that we learn and we learn before we're where he is. Think of that. <laughs> Let's learn before we are where he is. Let's learn to be less demanding of others, less centered on ego, and less manipulative. Because Father Abraham can't be manipulated, nor should we try. So let us ask God to help us have wisdom to see and to know and to understand. But Abraham said, son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. The rich man lives in the possessive mode. And Father Abraham speaks to him, son, he says, son. He responds to that appeal. Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, me and my, you and your. Just remember the father in the parable of the prodigal son, when he gets to the older brother, he says, you know, the brother is, is this son of yours. And the father says, my son, all I have is yours. This your brother. He needs to grow beyond what he has been. But Abraham says, son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things at Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. There is a judgment that comes to us all as surely as death comes to us all. And all the things that were your good things that you were clinging to, that you possessed, that you consumed, where are they now? And Lazarus received, doesn't say his evil things, he just received evil things. But now he is comforted and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who had passed from here to you may not be able and none may come from there to us. This is definitive. There is a great gap here and there's no crossing over. He's made his decisions. And we, I think, are challenged in our life in the brief moments that remain for us, whatever they may be, to make our decisions too. That's why parables are told, not just to entertain us or to comfort us, but to shake us up, to be like the sword that cuts to the heart so that we change our lives, repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. That's what the gospel, that's the good news of the gospel, is that it brings us to repentance. It helps us to see more clearly our need for God and for one another, and it, it brings us to repentance before it is too late. 
And maybe the rich man learns a bit because now he begins to think of someone else other than himself. This is good. He begins to think of his brothers. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. There's a little bit of hope here that he's looking beyond himself, though maybe not so much hope, and that he's again asking that Lazarus be sent to do some service for him and his brothers. I think that he could never get out of seeing Lazarus in that mode. But at least it's a bit of an effort to go beyond himself. Perhaps there's a little comfort in that, because that's ultimately what we have to do. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. We shouldn't need special visits from the dead, spectacular things. They're rarely used by the Lord Jesus himself, as for example, the raising from the dead of Lazarus, the other one, the Lazarus of Bethany, and various miracles to point the way to something greater. But God speaks mostly with a still, small voice. There's a wonderful book by Benedict Groeschel called The Still, Small Voice. And it's about how we need to be attentive to God as he speaks to us in the silence of prayer, in the word of God, and in the living faith of the church. We shouldn't be expecting spectacular events because that's not normally the way the Lord speaks to us. The law and the prophets, if we're attentive to them, should be enough. They should be what we need. Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He wants something a bit more spectacular. He thinks they're gonna need that. And at least this is a good thing, finally we find in him. He really wants to save his brothers. Who knows, maybe there is a little, we don't know how definitive this Hades is for him. Maybe this is the little thing that will pull him out, we don't know. You know, there's a famous story, I think I've mentioned before, of the, the wicked man who goes down to hell, but in his lifetime, once he had thrown an onion at a beggar, a bit of food intentionally trying to help the person once in his life, one good deed. And as he was going down to the pit of hell, maybe more definitively than this man, he was going down, he could see from heaven the onion being kind of unwound and he grabbed onto it and the beggar pulled him up into heaven. That one little onion got him home. Well, maybe he's trying to get something here. No father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. And of course, this is speaking to the people who are listening to the Gospel of Luke, recognizing that people had known of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and they still didn't repent. That too is a challenge to us all but we need to be attentive to God who speaks to us in whatever way he does. 
and he speaks to us, inviting us to faith, proposing his love to us, challenging us to repent, and not usually using spectacular ways to do it. We miss the many splendored thing. There's a great poem, one of my favorite poems by Francis Thompson, who was like Lazarus, one of the homeless of London in around 1900, who was living under the bridges of London. And he speaks of the way in which we need to see God's close to us, not in spectacular ways, not with the wheeling systems darkened and there, but unconceiving swords, the drift of pinions, the wings of angels beat at our own clay-shuttered doors. And he had a vision of Jacob's ladder pitched betwixt heaven and Charing Cross, between heaven and Dundas Square, not some kind of spectacular thing, but coming right into our life. And he could see that because he was like poor Lazarus at the gate. As all the wealthy Victorians went past him, he could see the kingdom of God. And so we need to have our whole perspective transformed so that we see what is really important and what is not. We see our need to love and not just to be possessive and consuming and notice the people who are in need. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of swords, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.